Texas talking. Oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking. Oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking. Tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas guys I'm Texas Secretary of State Nandita Berry reminding you that October 6th is the deadline to register to vote in the general election this November. Before you listen to today's Tripcast, stop, log on to votetexas.gov and make sure you are registered to vote and find out all the information you need to know how, when, and where to vote. Okay, are you done? Great. Now you can proceed with listening to your host, Reeve Hamilton, and remember, vote Texas. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the Tribcast for the beginning of October, the last month before the election. Baseball playoffs, man. And then and that. the session. It's like a never-ending story. What, the yeah, kind of like the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> You've already started rolling Who did the intro this week? Molasses? I mean, this is like the longest thing ever. That was Nandita Berry. Right. Anyway, that's Evan Smith, the CEO and editor-in-chief of the Texas Tribune. Not for long. Moving along, chief. (laughs) Editor Emily Ramshaw. Hello there. Executive editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. So I guess we should should probably take the news in reverse order. We're going to Benjamin Button everything. We're just talking about Ebola, right? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have something you want to say about Ebola? No, you were very nothing. eager to get to Ebola. Yeah, what's the second good Benjamin that... Button reference, by the way? There are, on, there are only good Benjamin Button references. That was good. Moving on. Oh, well, let's talk about this morning. We had some poll numbers come out from the Lyceum. We did. Right. Uh, show anything surprising? Anyone It's amazed? a single-digit race. Ross and I talked yesterday and Nine said that points. if it were a single-digit race, the Democrats would be doing cartwheels in the street. That's so, about that explains what's going on in Congress right now. You think they're doing cartwheels? I think they're doing cartwheels. And by it, of course, you do not mean the lieutenant governor's race. No. I'm talking about the governor's race. It looks like a 9.40-49. Yeah. Who's so ahead? on the one hand, guess. Greg Abbott's ahead. Kathy Glass. He's got to provide some Greg details Abbott was two for the point, listeners. Two points up with the women. The Kathy Glass is half full. Um, <laughs> he was he was up. I don't have the numbers in front of me because my I'm phone. I'm going to use that one tomorrow. tomorrow. I think he's, my eyes rolled he's, audibly. He's, he's way ahead with Anglos. He's are, you way trying to, with, are you trying to? I'm trying to be serious. All right, let's, I, you know, I was, let, can you back up to when you started talking? Uh, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you ask some more of those unasked questions from the other night, Ross? Yeah, there you go. There you go. go. Ahead. Um, so uh, Abbott's ahead by nine. He's ahead with women. He's ahead, very but, much ahead with but, women. But stop, yeah. stop there. That's a very significant thing until you look at the Mark Jones piece in Trib Talk the other day that right. shows that the last time a Democrat won women in the governor's race was Ann Richards in 1990. 1990. Yeah. And she and George W. Bush actually tied among women 50-50 in right. in uh, 94. And since then, Republicans have won women every election. That's so you're saying the last time, oh, oh, last time the Democrats won women in the governor's race was the last time they won the, the governor's race. Right. right. But the idea that Wendy Davis... You know, I think going into this, people assume, well, Wendy Davis, of course, is going to win women because she's... No, that's preposterous. No, it's I, not I mean, the case. But I just think this idea, and I think the media perpetuates this, that women... By which you worst. mean them, not us. By which I mean, you mean them, Burka, not us. I'm not naming names. Chris Evan, <laughs> go, feel free. But this idea Nolan, that women are this voting block that go... I'm trying to have a serious conversation, too, and Evan is not denying me that yes, opportunity. Mentioning Nolan makes clearly, it an unserious men. conversation. Clearly, men, this is a sexist thing. Man, explain this for me. Come on. Wait a minute. Yeah. They did it to me. Right. Good point, Ross. Um, so this idea that women are this voting block that, I mean, they're divided Republicans and Democrats just like everybody else. The idea that suddenly a woman is there and women are going to Well, they're you know, not divided just like everybody else. Women right. tend to be more Democrats. 
democratic than men. I mean, if you just sort of take them as a sample, women are more democratic, right. men are more Republican. President won and women. What the Republicans in Texas have been doing is See, outperforming, so she's not like outperforming their numbers, whether they're men or, or women. They've been outperforming the numbers. This has already gone off the rails today. <laughs> Right. But this idea that there's enough of a persuasive element of having a, a Wendy Davis, uh, you know, on the ticket that women are going to vote in, in different kinds of numbers or in a different way than they previously had to me. Is You're not of... surprised. I am surprised. You are? You're I surprised am. that he's doing better um, with women. Uh, the Davis people, According to the poll. Davis people have told me privately, oh, we're totally going to win women. And based on this poll, no. Now, I... on Latinos, which yeah. the Abbott commissioned poll or the also told you privately oh of course we're going to win well but hold on but the abbott commission poll which said that he was up on latinos she's up two to one on him on latinos right but interestingly she's up more on latinos she has a higher percentage of latino vote than vandepute does which i think is interesting in the in the poll for lieutenant governor which showed the race at 14 points is that right i think that's right i think it's at 40 i think it's 47 33 was lieutenant governor in the lyceum poll maybe vandepute should have kept her maiden name well, she's working at San Miguel to a fare thee well. Right, and um, it's in she's, most she's of the press releases and in some of the TV commercials, too. So, so but, but I think what it illustrates is it's, there's 30-odd days out. I mean, the polls came out, and then the other kind of shoe that dropped today was that Abbott has $30 million cash on hand with about a month left. In Which ought to be enough. He can put on, <laughs> right. he can put on an ad-a-day featuring me interviewing Wendy Davis at Tribune Fest between now and the end. All without my permission. Well, that's uh, that sounds away, like a losing strategy. He could give away free iPhones snatching, to voters. You know, he could do defeat. all kinds of things. Bendy, could, I, bendy iPhone sixes. Yeah, bendy iPhone sixes. From He's that. basically funding every re-election campaign from now until Kingdom Come. Well, in fact, all the other Republicans are hoping that he's got enough coattails because they're not raising money like he is. And, and one of the whines is that um, Abbott's sucked up all the money. And yeah, you know, you know what? Dan Patrick is it. up by fourteen. He's up by nine. He's the, he's the Let's hear it for campaign. not spending as much money. Right. Yeah. Honestly, look look at how far Jim Hogan has gotten in the Democratic. Uh, you Which know, race? The power of the Google. Whatever race. <laughs> it is. Did, they have, did, did they have a poll for that? No. No. I think no. they. I think they didn't. In the make race it that to be mayor down. of Cleburne, <laughs> Jim Hogan is losing to Sid Miller. I think the uh, newspaper endorsements have been interesting as far as that goes because we're the you know You'd love newspaper. I, yeah, I, I am the really last nobody person else in them. America who looks at newspaper endorsements. The the fact is that the. The polls show a very different result than the establishment or institutionalist view of politics. And I think the the polls are the ones that matter. You know, the, what, what endorsements say or what campaigns insist is really going on. In the, at the end of the day, it's about the polls. The it's probably about the election results ultimately. Right. But if the, if the polls are, are right, I mean, what you have here is basically in reverse what happened in 2012 where the Davis people, to the degree that the Davis people internally – believe they're winning and are telling people outside of the campaign that they're winning. It's a bit like the Romney people insisting, despite all available evidence, that they were going to win this election up until the last minute. And, and it goes to the same thing, though. It depends on who you think is going to vote. And, you know, right. part of the problem here is that there's an electorate. You can, you know, no matter who you are, you can pick an electorate that would elect you. The question is whether that's the one that's going to show up and whether you're being honest with yourself about who's actually um, looks like they're going to turn out. And there's no reason at this moment to think the turnout pattern is going to be significantly different than it has been. So I mean, if it, it, you know, I'm, I'm open to evidence, but I haven't seen it yet. So if it ends up to be a nine-point spread, which I actually kind of doubt. Would be I, the best result for Democrats right. since Right. I think Ann it's going to be bigger than that. So that's, that is the statistic on that? I mean, what were, what did Bill White's numbers look like? Oh, it was like 40, I think he lost 40, like four, four, 42. Four, he lost 13 or 14 13 points. 13 or 14. Right. Mm-hmm. Sanchez lost like 16. So right. in theory, this would be the closest margin. Well, but 
all along we have said, we at this table have said and others have said that on election day, Wendy Davis will either do better than Bill White or worse. And either way, it will be news, <laughs> right? Like if she be does better than Bill White, then it will be the best showing for a Democrat since the mid-90s. And if she does worse, it'll yeah, be best, despite, best all, loss yet. despite <laughs> all that, she still wasn't able to reverse the trend. And in fact, she, she took a step backwards. That's right. that's the kind of analysis people turn to us for. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I got more. Yada, yada, yada. Todd, how much time do we have left? I got more of that stuff coming. So. Can, can we can we see if uh, do you guys think anyone was swayed one way or another by the gubernatorial debate, the last, the second and last televised I have a hard debate? Time, I have a hard time imagining getting this far into this and not having a pretty firm idea right. how you're going to vote. I just you know I don't know that there's that many swing voters or. I'll say this lightly because I don't mean stupid, ignorant voters who just haven't been paying attention un, to this un, thing. Un, uninformed. Uninformed. Well, same thing. Right. So, Dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, you know. the, that's the thought bubble over Ross's head. Yeah. Yeah. Who could uh, be undecided in this race, right? I, 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 it's just hard to imagine getting this far into it. It's not like there's no difference between these. It's like you're either this or that. Right. Yeah. You, you were what, either, what did you think you were about the debate? You were either cheered or depressed so, by the, so, by the so performance. What did you think about the debate that was not the debate that you so masterfully moderated on Monday we're, night we're for the lieutenant governor race, which we'll talk about? But what did you think about the debate last night as we sit here, the second of the two gubernatorial? I thought the Wendy Davis that her supporters were hoping for finally showed up about 18 minutes into that debate and actually held her own. She did a pretty good, sustained attack on the front runner. She got right up in his face and um, – you know, he was a little wobbly in response to it. I, I thought I thought she performed really well. He he had a moment where it looked like he thought he had cornered her on that uh, the company that got Cabela. enterprise Cabela's. fund money, and she right. just flipped yeah, that. She wouldn't know yeah. anything about Cabela's Reeve because you don't seem like the hunting type to me. He's wearing a plaid shirt. Uh, I, mean, I can confirm for the listeners, I'm indeed wearing a plaid shirt. Evan, people in glass houses, buttoned up. <laughs> I mean, no, Evan and I, 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 like re- the cam- I like the camo tie. I keep Reeve around to make me look tough. Right, I have seen you in Evan and I just haven't shorts. been able to schedule our hunting trip. <laughs> True. Yeah, we're working on it. Do you know what season it is? What would you coming get? up. It's kind of, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I was once again taken by the description to Wendy Davis's attacks on Abbott. I was taken by the use of the word meltdown by the people who are Abbott allies and supporters uh, racing to call this a meltdown. Right. That feels to me – you would never say that about a man. I was just going to say – I'm sorry. I'm going to play this card again. But that is such a sexist thing I, to say. I think you would, never also, say that, you would never say that about a man. That is one step away from saying she's too emotional. Or you she's know, shrill the, or she's right. – right. I don't think you would say that about a man. Now, Erica Greeter and I were going back and forth about this last night, and she pointed out that Katie Gluck in Politico had written a piece about Paul LePage – the governor of Maine having some kind of a of a of a, a mansplosion in some press conference or something in that governor's race a few months ago that was referred to as a meltdown. It's not that the word meltdown can't be used to associate with men, well, but I just have to believe that nobody would have said meltdown I if it had been a man. I, I mean, don't know that there was a meltdown. Anything in the right. anyway, way described as a sure meltdown to begin either. with? What the hell is this? The is much more of a meltdown. meltdown. I mean, I would say, <laughs> yes. well, Rick Perry forgetting the third agency to me that is a meltdown. Like that's a totally embarrassing giant flub. I didn't think. She did anything last night that was no, in any way outside. In a she was aggressive. Now, I have to say, not having a number to answer the question of how much is your education plan right. going to cost. And I thought that honestly, her answer on the ethics stuff was not Wasn't great. confident enough in her own defense. It was an attack back right. on him. Or, right. or it, it might have been a good was, tactic. It was my husband at the time, which to most people is now, like. 
on the flip side, on the flip side, Sorry, of that's that's so I, I thought yeah. those were low moments for her in the debate. On the flip side of that, I saw Greg Abbott um, at his worst in that response to the Enterprise Fund question. I thought that was the weakest moment that he had of the two debates. I thought he fumbled it. I thought he really fumbled it. And I was surprised because Why? his staffing has generally been pretty good. I figured he would have had an answer. And I thought he did not have a good answer. On yeah, the first, you know, on, on a deal like that, your first 10 or 15 words ought to be the whole answer. And everything after that ought to illuminate that. But you ought to be able to get your answer into the first, you know, here's the answer to that question. Everybody knows that question's coming. It's the biggest. It was the it, obvious question it's after the, Ebola. It's the closest thing to an October surprise that's going totally. right now. And you've got to have an, a ready answer for that. He had elements of it in that long ramble, but it was a long ramble. Well, and the answer to the question of how did you deny – why did you deny access to applications that didn't exist? I thought there was a case where – I've not been a big fan of moderators in this debate season but you. <laughs> but I actually thought that in this – At least in the, to their face. Right, at least in their face. <laughs> right. <laughs> Walk up and down Congress. Oh, you did a great job. <laughs> um, but I thought in this case actually whoever asked the question – I think it was Peggy and then Shelley Koffler behind her. Peggy Fikak. Peggy Fikak of the Express News and then Shelley Koffler of KERA. I thought did a very good job of framing the question and staying on it, and I just thought that Greg Abbott did not have an adequate answer. Right, that answer, that question, sort of went on and on. I mean, they really did give it the time that yeah. it deserved. Can you characterize what his answer was? Uh, you know, his answer was, "Look, this is something we're paying close attention to. Um, you know, this is why there was a review of this. You know, process. I've said from the beginning I have concerns about it." And Shelley Koffler, you know, to her credit, sort of stayed on him and was like, "Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! Like, you know." You are the one who's responsible at the end of the day for making sure stuff like this doesn't happen. Where were you? Right. And that's where I think right. the answer sort of came off the rails. Paying close attention now. Right. Is, is but, right. But, I, but I will also say that I think that Greg Abbott, who I, I've interviewed, you've interviewed, many of us in this room have spent time with Greg Abbott in a setting like that where you ask questions and try to elicit something, and he's a hard interview. His affect as an interviewee is is tough to to access. Right? Yeah, from his side, they, you know, I mean, his side would say he's a really good interview, which is well, they, what they, makes they, him a they hard love it because us, right? the, because at the end you don't get a, a not lot. I actually right. think that Greg Abbott has done, but for that five minutes or so on the Enterprise Fund, I think in both debates, I think Greg Abbott has has more than cleared the bar in terms of what he needed to accomplish, both in not losing, right, and in presenting a kind of reasonably calm and reasonably confident front. Was that right. audit? Was that audit slated for release? I mean, obviously, I know reporters, you know, got an early copy of it, but when was it supposed? to be out. And in a Republican state government, you know, for this audit to come out right before this election. Well, well so this is we're, we're jumping over the lieutenant governor's debate and going to the audit. We'll, 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 come, we'll, back. Back. we'll come back. We'll come back. Well, you know, um, so I know just so a couple of things about, about a couple of things about the audit. The state auditor works for the legislature. Mm -hmm. It's a legislative agency. There's a legislative audit board co-chaired by the speaker and the lieutenant governor. And the things that issue in the enterprise fund in this audit are from the early part of the enterprise fund. So the first thing to me was that this is 10-year-old information. And so can we say what the things so, that you are. So basically they said that uh, $170 million of the first uh, funds distributed from this fund were done without applications. One of them was done without someone asking for it. Um, and the Basically, oversight makes it look like a little bit like our first night foundation and the, grant. And, yeah, right. and the oversight of the funds in terms of you said you'd create this many jobs have you actually done that you said you'd be built by this date have you actually done that all those kinds of things that oversight was missing 
And so the first thing that struck me was, you know, where has the legislature been for the last 10 years? This audit was supposed to take place. You would think this audit had taken place a long time ago. Well, that was to I your guess, question in Lieutenant Governor's Bay. Right. was, where were you guys? Where the hell are you guys? Right. Where, and that, frankly, could have been asked of either of them, although Davis can credibly say the audit happened because I so, asked for so the audit. So what Davis did was say, you know, so they had a separation of powers issue here was what one of the questions was. You know, and that's why the legislature had sort of stayed out of it. That's not just a UT Regents that's, thing. That's one reason that the legislature had sort of, you know, had a light touch on this. And Wendy Davis passed a bill when the Enterprise Fund first began really getting some conversation in public about being controversial and said, pass a bill, let's go audit the thing. So they passed a bill last time, they go audit the thing, and now we're to, now we're to your point. Really? 40 days before an election, you're going to pop this audit well, out? 40 days before an election, again, this is right. the bill that she had filed. I mean, it right. makes her look, you know, the findings make her look sort of like the hero. She gets to, you know, ride this out heading into sure. the election. And, and he's playing defense over something that he was, you know, sort of like peripherally involved in. I think one of the interesting things in this, you know, just sort of it was like, you know, nine paragraphs down in the stories was the, you know, the governor's office was, you know, defensive about it. The attorney general was defensive about it. The lieutenant governor, who's the co-chair of the committee, said, oh, no, this is a pretty good audit. I think we should do this. And mm -hmm. it sort of makes me wonder if the legislative leadership at a transition point, Dewhurst is leaving, Perry is leaving, just said, Get this thing out the door. Well, and, you know, the people who have to sign off on these enterprise fund grants is the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the speaker. And but those... in some cases, they didn't all sign off on them, right? Right. I mean, you know, and I think it's interesting that Abbott is sort of being forced to take the fall for this in an election time. But You know what? Live by the work you've done over the mm -hmm. years in office. Die by it. Uh, right. The fact is that General Abbott has, on the one hand, been very willing to trumpet all the work he's done as attorney general as the basis for his campaign for governor. On the other hand, he owns everything that went wrong while he was attorney general in the same way that he owns everything that went right. right. And the Davis campaign may be asking itself, did we do inadequate job of researching Abbott's record as attorney general over these years and finding these little flaming bags of poo? Because they should have been running against Greg Abbott attorney general, not Greg Abbott attorney, a, a candidate for governor, theoretically, the entire time. And I don't know if his involvement is exactly peripheral. He was asked directly, can we get these applications? And he said, and his office said, no, you can't, instead of saying they right. don't exist. That was, well, there's that, a, that, there's and, an and whether or not there was anything substantive to that, mm. it sounds bad. There's an interesting little bad. glitch in the law here, that if you're talking about a private company's uh, records and applications, that the law requires the attorney general to go to those companies and say, do you have a proprietary interest in keeping this secret? And if the company comes back and says, yes, well, the then I have a proprietary on, interest on. in my tax dollars not going to that company. Hold on. The, the, the attorney general under the law has to say, well, you know, they've got an objection to it and leave it to the requester to sue. And the morning news in this case didn't sue. Right. I, I, I still think that from the standpoint of, of optics here, just at the surface level, which is really all we can expect voters to pay attention to, right. the idea that somehow big companies got money from the state as incentives without being asked to create jobs – or being expected to to account for how that money was spent, and in some cases never even actually applied for it's it. It's a stinker. It just looks mm -hmm. bad. It may be worse than it seems. It may be better than it seems. Abbott may or may not be involved, but it looks bad. Does the, it affect Perry's presidential hopes? Yes. Yes, I think it does because I think it's an issue that comes out. I mean, frankly, I think it's worse than the indictment from a, from it's a the Perry presidential. It's the substantiation <laughs> behind the crony capital. I think charge. it's worse than the indictment from a Perry uh, a presidential standpoint. But again. Where this now lands is, can the Davis campaign 
credibly, competently, and aggressively do anything with this to make a public that has shown itself disinterested in this race. Which is why he's going after Pay her on attention. the Cabela's thing. Right. Fuzz I it mean, up, make you, you know, you're another. She she will struggle, I think. I, again, I think this is a bigger problem for Perry than it's going to be for Abbott. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're so far along. The numbers look like what they are. And I honestly don't think this is something. This ethics stuff is really hard. It doesn't resonate that well with voters. And to pin a campaign around it. And that think, extends, by the way, to his attacks on her. I'm not right. sure that his attacks on her no. ethics stuff have necessarily amounted to It didn't work for Brimer. It didn't work for Shelton. Yep. Right. I mean, and those campaign ads were nasty, nasty. Right. Those Shelton ads right. that had, you know, when these Davis are her previous opponents for yeah, head on a cartoon body. Right. I mean, so I just I think that this is not likely to change the outcome of this. But, man, if Perry makes it far along at all, I mean, you can already envision the attack ads. The one effect I think it could have on the next governor is that this is a lingering problem now. We've mm-hmm. got these outstanding contracts. You know, you may or may not have had a hand in this stuff. And this is your, you know, welcome to office. What's this? Well, and the, I think they just kill it. The presumed, you know, victor in the lieutenant governor's race has said he wants get, to just get he, rid he of the He wants to obliterate the incentives. Right. right. But maybe we should talk about that debate since so Dan Patrick and Leticia Vanderpute debated. And that fine, Ross was fine there. Uh, and, Again, and, and, I think. And by, the, and by the way, in the spirit of that debate, uh, let me thank you for your question. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, thank Reeve. You. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yes, sir. That's Senator Van interesting thing the to most me about polite the, candidate yeah. ever. Interesting to me about interesting thing to me about the lieutenant governor's debate was that um, primary Patrick is still here. Yeah, ain't it's no etch a sketch there. The guy who ran against Sheesh. Dewhurst and Staples and Patterson in the Republican primary as a um, you know hard conservative is not yep. mitigating that at all. Right. Dude knows election. who he is. He's, you know, he he just ran toward his, you know, this is where I, it is kind of the, the really Popeye thing. I am what I am, you know? Well, you you expect them right in the general, but he must be looking at the polling numbers and knowing that he's so far ahead that he doesn't have to, that he can keep, you know, feeding the his red meat His disposition has never been different than this, though. In all the years we've watched Patrick, Patrick, well, is, right. Patrick right. is not a guy who tacks to the center I, on anything. I thought the narrative around Patrick is that he came in in his first session and sort of was like you know, tear, tearing down the walls and, all that. and you know right. and, acted like a radio talk he, show host and then he came back and actually did moderate himself significantly well but he moderated his temperament I think right he moderated his politics, yeah. his politics. Right. although you know you've been hearing from some you know sort of more moderate Republicans quietly saying oh the Patrick you see on the campaign trail you know he's going to come into the Senate and he's going to have to you know make friends and play nice and, and it's not nearly the rhetoric's not going to be like this I don't think that's true I mean I think we could potentially see a Dan Patrick in the Senate who you know <laughs> doesn't back off at all from these stances. He's got this really good knack for, and you could see it in the debate, of saying, um, Letitia is a very good friend of mine. I like her a lot, but she's an outrageously liberal Democrat. And doing this sort of two-tiered thing, I'm going to attack you politically and get along with you personally. And I think, you know, in the Senate, I think we may be seeing some of that. You know, what they do in the Senate lounge is all, you know, Chip and Dale, you know, after you, after you. Here's, here's the other half of this, Ross. I thought Van Dep- – and I may be in the minority on this because there were a lot of people – and there may be people who had a, a, a horse in this race saying this. People praised Van Depute's performance in that debate. I thought she was kind of scripted. I thought she was overly scripted. I thought it felt scripted and I think she put – Threw a whole lot of commas in there. She, you know, she doesn't normally speak with these. The, there were just all these sort of pronounced pauses. It did feel like she was giving. It was a little speech. stagey. Yeah, 
It was know, a little stagey. It was the state the setup. I mean, and debates are always like this. It was a little stagey. The and what, setup was, yeah. and it was hard not to be kind of stagey because you're in the dark and it's cold, and but you're standing at the, a podium, and it's going to last an hour, and you're under pressure. And oh, that's studio. That's that's studio. I know that's studio. That's studio is not that cold. Then. That's that's an awesome. Ah, uh, really? Um, listen, the, it was Dewhurst cold. What was the? Ooh, really? That's yeah, cold. Yeah, that's cold. <laughs> what 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 was the? What was uh, uh, Vanderpute's job uh, in this uh, race? Uh, the whole theory of the Vanderpute campaign has been to look at Dan Patrick like one of those IEDs in Iraq. If you drive by him at just the right speed, he blows up. That's what they were trying to do. They were trying to get him to blow up. And I don't think that the staginess or the scripted nature of Van Depute's performance that night was the thing that was going to get him to blow up. She needed to basically walk over to him and kick him in the, in the you-know-where and, and get him to blow up. And she didn't. And I, and is, that, I, I, is that what happens? I well, but I actually think that the whole job of the Van Depute campaign has been, and they've not been able to do it, not so much a knock on them, but to his credit, he's maintained himself. They've been trying to get him to blow up. And she didn't put in a performance styled in such a way, I thought, that was likely to have that happen. I thought that – I differ a little bit. I, I think that what they were trying to do is sort of interesting because it's what Dan Patrick has done to himself. They were trying to paint him over to the right and say, this guy's way over there. He's not a general election kind of a candidate. And in fact, he assumed that position. He, he right. took. He agreed. And he I think said, they were trying yeah, to accuse him of that. Straight. And he's over there going, "Yeah, you're right. You're right." Yeah. Took it away from. Hell yes, him. no exceptions. I think that's why they're. I think that's why they're a, why they're a little the state lost. Doesn't they, agree with me. That's they, they assumed he would be ashamed in a general election of some of the positions that he took. In alien invasion was the one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. That he would be ashamed right. in a general election of positions he took in the Republican primary, and he's not. Mark, you know, my, what? I was just going to say, isn't this the Ted Cruz approach? It I is. Mean, Take I mean, no prisoners right. and make no apologies. You know, it's a, he right. has a good guide, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I think you could see this more and more from these far-right candidates. You know, they don't have to, you know, back away at all from right. these views because Ma it's working for Mark them. Mark my words. Should the races turn out as we anticipate Republicans winning, barring something unforeseen between now and then, Patrick wins by a bigger margin than Abbott does. And in fact, in the Lyceum poll, Patrick is up on uh, Van Depute, um, pardon me, or, or Patrick is winning a better share of the Latino vote than Abbott is, despite the fact that Patrick is apparently the worst person in the world to the Valley business community and those people are so offended by everything he said. He's winning a higher percentage of the Latino vote at the moment, if I read the Lyceum poll correctly, I think that than, than Abbott is. I'm, I'm, my hunch is name ID is still an issue here, uh, that her name ID is still low, and I'd also point out that he's not over 50 percent yet. Right. I mean, do you, th do you think it's because the—is uh, uh, it because of the race that she's not— coming and making him blow up, or is this because no one's actually paying attention to that race? We're talking about how it's difficult for people to pay attention to the governor's race. It's a low-energy election, and people aren't paying attention to a lot of these races. And I, I wonder if there's enough money in these things other than Abbott's $30 million. It's like Brewster's millions over there. Um, other than that, I wonder if anybody has the money to sort of prosecute this, to get in front of the voters enough that the voters are making an informed choice between candidate A and candidate B, and, and that those candidates are talking about something that the voters actually care about. Right. I mean, most remember that most people in Texas still have no idea what the lieutenant governor is or does. Right. So, I mean, there's that. Well, what what are they likely to do? If if the elections turn out the way we expect, what do you think can change? I mean, one thing that comes to mind for me is it seems like in-state tuition for undocumented students that have lived here for, you know, gone to high school here, basically. It's in trouble. It seems to be in pretty big trouble. That was a big difference between Abbott and Davis and their debate is that she said she would veto... Uh, a, an effort to repeal that statute, and he said he would not. Right. Patrick has been pretty 
adamant that he would get, try to repeal it, and that's Still been true of his entire career. And Vandeput's the sponsor. Still uh, got to get through the House, and I just don't know if that can get through the House. Yeah, I don't know if it can get through the House. If it gets to the governor's desk, it looks like, you know, it looks pretty clear. If it gets to the Senate, it looks pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I think if the Senate, you know, the, the way the Senate's configured, I'm not sure it would matter in this case which of the candidates for lieutenant governor won. I think the Senate's going to be conservative enough that right. they're going to um, demand some legislation on this. But you can bet that Strauss would not obviously make legislation like that a priority, and I think it would have a tough road in the House. Well, he has some weird cover. You know, Rick Perry doubled down on this right, at Trip exactly. He said, you know, look, we've got the these right people thing. in the country. We can blame that, you know, and we do blame that on the administration's enforcement or lack of it of immigration laws. But these people are here. Are they going to be, as, as the governor put it, are they going to be givers or takers? And right. we decided they're going to be givers. And Patrick's argument to get rid of it is sort of resonates well with voters, I think, and sort of hits you on an emotional level, but it doesn't make much logical sense. He always says, if you, I just don't want, if you have a choice between an undocumented person and a sort of a Texas citizen, right? Uh, if it comes down to one slot and you have to choose between those two, I want you to choose the the Texan, right. which is sort of neither here nor there in this. In fact, if you don't give in-state tuition to the undocumented student and make them pay out-of-state tuition, I'm sure the university would find them much more appealing because they're paying more money. You know, it's sort of it's an illogical argument, but it right. does sort of hit you, like resonate well. But except that they probably, you know, they might not be able to pay that full tuition. Right. And then, therefore, you don't have those students. I don't know. I mean, I think Right, but the thing is that admissions, is it's not an admissions question. Right. It's just a purely payment question. Right. Right. Which is why the legislature put in the requirement that you have to have lived in Texas for three years. Mm-hmm. You have to graduate from a Texas high school and you have to have an active application in for citizenship. Right. Right. So they were trying to get around that argument and did it to their satisfaction, both Republicans and Democrats in 2001. But, you know, things change. <laughs> Politics change. Any other issues that we think are likely to come up? In the race as we go to the end here? Sure. I think, I think you know, the the – conversation about the um, economic funds is going to continue and is going to be, you know, a pretty a pretty hot conversation. Um, I wonder if I don't think it's a political issue yet, um, but the public health issue around Ebola could become uh, the kind of the kind of thing that people are talking about and thinking about in an election. I don't think it will, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. There didn't seem to be tons of daylight between Abbott and Davis and their stances on no, Ebola. Well, the, the thing here, and you know, this is this is going to be interesting because you know Perry is just now starting to address this, and we've kind of got Perry, and we've talked about this before. Perry has this sort of super county commissioner mode when he goes into a disaster. Right. He's sometimes at his best, hurricanes and things like that. Yep, he's headed up to Dallas as so, we speak. So now you get the public response to this, and I think the political. Um, risks and rewards here are not really around the disease or around public health or around the handling of this thing. And um, that could become an issue. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to go back to one thing from the debate, this issue over whether uh, Dan Patrick's position on taxes in Texas and, and you know, turning the system around so that the sales tax is what drives, um, is what drives you know, education funding and right. stuff like that. Is there enough motivation in the House or the Senate that that has legs? You know, the problem with, you know, what he's proposing is that property taxes are too high. And in order to pro- to get some relief for property taxes, we ought to lower them and supplant some of that with uh, higher sales taxes or higher consumption taxes of some other kind. And he has lately decided that this shouldn't be described as a swap, but he himself has described it as a swap. And 
groups that have endorsed him and endorsed the idea, call it a swap. We're mm-hmm. swapping property taxes for sales taxes. In fact, that's how you sell this to the business groups that pay, you know, roughly 50 to 60% of both of those taxes. So, you know, if you go to the legislature and you say, would you swap these things, you have to sort of balance the, do I have some assurance that property taxes, which the state does not set, will stay down, and some thing to protect me from the risk in my next election of raising right. sales taxes. And and I think most of the legislators are going to look at that and say, no, I don't trust the locals to keep property taxes down, and I don't want to get tagged with this thing. Right. It's a hard, it's a hard vote. Well, if any of the locals would like to send us their questions and comments, they can do so at tribcast at texastribune.org. And we'd like to thank Shiny Rips for doing our music. And on behalf of Emily, Ross, and Evan, who's been remarkably quiet for these last few minutes, and our producer, Todd, this is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Texas talking about Texas talking baby Can I say something inappropriate? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> what else is it's a please first? Tell me. It's a first. Don't tell me you're not recording. No, you can't record this. Okay.